might be needing a nap in the middle of my sermon, so I brought my own little nap mat. Won't be that long. Relax. I just want to begin by saying uh, thank you to, to you, to this church, for your partnership with us. Uh, thank you for the commitment that you have had to our ministry over the years for supporting the work that we do at Mel Trotter. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we could not do what we do without you. Uh, it takes um, the donors, the church, the members of the body of Christ to help us to do what we do. And uh, I just want to publicly thank each one of you for that. It is a privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, I count it a privilege to be here, to be able to grace your pulpit, uh, to be able to share God's word with you. And so I just want to start out by, by saying thank you to each one of you. Mel Trotter has existed for 116 years, coming up on 117 years. I haven't been there all 116 years. I know, I know. But uh, Mel Trotter actually was a man. Uh, he actually was an alcoholic. Uh, he was suicidal. Uh, he lived in Chicago, and he was on his way um, to go into Lake Michigan and commit suicide, and on his way, he heard music coming out of the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. He went in and heard the ministry of Jesus Christ. God spoke to his heart, saved his life, and gave him a new direction and a new path. And uh, he worked there at the Pacific Garden Mission. And in 1900, businessmen from Grand Rapids contacted him and asked him if he'd come up here to Grand Rapids and start a work like the Pacific Garden Mission. And so he founded the mission in 1900. And uh, he worked there for 40 years. It was only named after him after he passed away. Uh, he also started 67 other missions across the country. And the way he did it was he'd bring someone in, he'd work with them, they'd give their life to the Lord, and he'd help cultivate discipleship and obedience in them. And then he would take them to another city, and they'd start a mission there. Um, and he did it with people who were formerly homeless. <clears throat> so we look at the people that we serve at Mel Trotter, as uh, the next Mel Trotter. We see them as God's people. They're not a race of people called homeless, but they're God's people who happen to be homeless. Uh, they just happen to be going through a situation right now, but God has great and mighty things for each one of them. And so we began by treating them with that. So we're looking for the next Mel Trotter or the next Melody Trotter. Uh, that's what we're looking for in each one of our guests. How many of you know that God loves us? And God always wants more for us than we want for ourselves. Yeah, that's the story. And so we're basically just going to show people the love of Jesus Christ. At Mel Trotter, our mission is to demonstrate the compassion of Jesus Christ toward the hurting, 
the homeless and the hungry of the greater Grand Rapids area, to demonstrate it. Anybody can talk about compassion. You know, compassion is where when you see a situation, you feel it in your gut, and you say, I got to do something about it. I just can't leave it like this. And that's what we do. We're demonstrating that compassion each and every day. And our goal, our vision, is to end homelessness in the greater Grand Rapids area one life at a time. You say, that's a big goal. Yeah, but the only way we can do it is through the power of Jesus Christ. One life at a time. We can make a difference in the life of this person. One life at a time. So thank you for partnering with us. Uh, one last word of uh, advertisement here since I got the podium here for a minute. Uh, we do have what we call Meet the Mission lunches down at Mel Trotter. Uh, they are every other Tuesdays. We just have one more this year, one in December. And then starting in January, we'll be having them every other week. We start the second week of January and then every other week throughout the year. I just invite you to come down to one of those. They're on Tuesdays at noon. You get a free lunch. You actually get uh, to get, eat some food that was donated to us. Uh, it's a great meal. Great meal. I got proof that it's a great meal. Um, but you get to eat a great lunch. You get to hear, a, a test, uh, hear about the ministry of Mel Trotter. Uh, you get to be my... Wow. You get to be my personal guest, and uh, you also get to get a 45-minute um, a tour in which the one common thing we hear is, wow, I had no idea. So if you want to know what homelessness really is, not what you've seen on TV, not the signs on the side of the highway, not the shopping carts, but what real homeless people are, who they are, and then what it takes to end it. Then come down and get the tour with us. You can be my guest. Okay? That's, that's it for advertisement. I want to start out. I always like to tell you a good joke, good story. So here we go. Uh, how many of you have ever heard the story of the lion who actually uh, was losing his self-esteem? And if you were in the first service, you can't, you can't tell the punchline. <laughs> Nobody. Okay, well, let me tell you the story about the lion who was losing his self-esteem. So the lion, you know, he's losing his lioness. And so one of the animals says to him in the jungle, says, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to get some folks to affirm your lioness. You know, you need to get some affirmations going in your life. And so he decided to give it a try. So he started going through the jungle. He runs into the giraffe. He says to the giraffe, who's the king of the beasts? And the giraffe says, you, Mr. Lion, you, Mr. Lion. And he starts feeling a little bit better about himself. He's walking a little bit higher. He runs into the cheetah. He says to the cheetah, who's the king of the beasts? And the cheetah says, you, Mr. Lion, you, Mr. Lion. Man, he's feeling a lot better about himself now. He's walking a lot higher. He runs into the elephant and he says, who's the king of the beast? And the elephant doesn't say anything. And he takes his tusk and he reaches out and he grabs him, pounds him on the ground a couple of times. He bangs him up against a tree that's nearby. And then he slings him in the air and he goes sailing through the air. 
and he lands head first down into a muddy ditch bank. He's got his head all the way down in the mud. He comes up, he shakes himself off, and he says, you don't have to get so mad because you don't know the answer. <laughs> okay, losing some stuff here. All right. So I want to share uh, this morning's scripture with you, and it's actually found in John 5. And let's read it together. John 5, verse 1 through 14, it says, Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who, had, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, and when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be made well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat. And he walked. Now the day which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said, Pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, and he said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. I brought my mat here because... Uh, I preached this sermon many, many years ago, at least a version of it, and I've heard now that they make these, but sometime back, someone gave me this uh, in tribute to the sermon, and so <clears throat> you might have to forgive me. I may go over there and lay on the mat and pe preach part of the sermon, but I want to give you kind of the backdrop of the situation. Remember this, that it has always been God's will for his people to walk in wholeness. And so I'm going to share something with you today, and I don't want you to take it as just a physical healing. God wants us to be whole. God wants us to be able to walk in 100% obedience to him. Doesn't mean our situation may necessarily change, but he wants us to be more than a conqueror. 
This is clearly evident in the early church. They faced persecution, but persecution never paralyzed them. As a matter of fact, persecution caused them to excel. They died in the arenas in front of the Romans. And because of the way that they died, many Romans came to Christ. We are talking about this morning situations that paralyze us. It says that there were all these people there who were lame, paralyzed, and blind. It has always been God's will to heal us from our blindness, from our lameness, and from being paralyzed. From being paralyzed. It says it this way in the Old Testament that when he led them out of Egypt, out of 400 years of slavery, that there was not one feeble among them. And when Moses spoke to the people, he says, Honor the Lord thy God with all of your heart, and I will bless you in all of your life. I will bless you no matter where you are. But somehow, the teaching and the message that God had given to us had become corrupted and contaminated through disobedience of the people over the years. And by the time that Jesus came on the scene, the very word and presence of God, they could not even recognize him. But they did have a religious system and the religious system was based on laws, regulations, and guidelines, and more laws, and more regulations, and more guidelines about those laws, regulations, and guidelines. And it was based on here's what you can do, and here's what you can't do when it comes to the Sabbath day. So here Jesus comes by all of these mass people who are paralyzed. They're in the area of where they know that some people get better. I like to say it this way. There are people that think that if I could just go to church, I might get better. I think going to church is a marvelous thing. I'm so happy that you're here today. You know, I think worshiping God is a marvelous thing. But how many people know that just because you sleep in a garage, it doesn't make you a car? That's supposed to be a joke. You go, ha, ha. <laughs> Don't be so serious now, okay? I'm going to tell some jokes while I'm doing this. So just being in the place doesn't necessarily mean. At Mel Trotter Ministries, we run into people all the time that have heard about people who got their lives together at Mel Trotter, and if they come into our shelter and they refuse to ever get any help, you might not get better just because you sleep at Mel Trotter. It's going to take a little more than that. And so Jesus comes up, and he comes to this man who has been laying by a pool for 38 years. Now, that's a long time. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, it's a generation. There are some things that have crippled us that are generational. The way we were raised. My father never told me that he loved me. And therefore, I have trouble telling my kids that I love them. 
Third world dictators, we see it all the time. I was treated wrong, and as soon as I come to power, I wrong as many people as I can. Jesus comes up to this man who had been laying there for a generation, and I believe that within this man's story, there's something about each one of us. And here he is, laying by the pool, and Jesus says to him, do you want to get better? Now, I want you to think about this. He says, I don't have anybody to help me get into the pool. Every time I try to get in, somebody jumps in in front of me. And Jesus says to him, hey, dude, I didn't ask you all of that. I didn't ask you whose fault it was. I didn't ask you how you ended up here. I didn't ask you whose responsibility it is. I asked you a simple question. Well, let me ask it a different way. Do you want the responsibility that comes with wholeness? If I give you your legs back, what will you do with them? Do you want the responsibility that comes with being a man? If I give you your manhood, what will you do with it? Do you want the responsibility that comes with being a Christian, a child of God? Let me ask it a deeper way because I know I'm talking to God's people. Do you want the responsibility that comes with obedience? Because everything comes with the responsibility. What this guy said is, listen, it ain't my fault. It's somebody else's fault that I'm down here. And I want you to know that as long as we're blaming somebody else for the condition that we're in, it gives us an excuse to stay on the mat. You understand? If I wasn't born black, I wouldn't be on this mat. Uh, Years ago, I when I started at Mel Trotter in the 80s. We'd always say to the guests, back then we worked with a lot of addicted people, we'd say, hey, do you want to be made well? And they'd say, yeah. And i say, okay. Back in those days, you could go down to, uh, you could get a check for being disabled if you had a drug problem. i say, okay, well, the first thing you need to do, we're going to trust God now. We're going we're to believe God to build your life. I'm going to work with you here, but the first thing you need to do is go tell those folks you don't need that disabled stuff anymore because you are fully able. I know you're a baby right now, but we're going to grow you into a man, and you're going to be able to live on your own. And they say, oh, no, man. I want my check. Can you make me better and I still get my check? See, we've got to make a decision. Do you want what God has for you or do you want to be stuck to something that has kept you from being the best that God has created for you to be? Do you want to be made whole? 
Do you want the responsibility that comes with that wholeness? Do you want the marriage that God desires for you? Do you want the family that God intends for you to live in? Do you want to be the church that God has called you to be? Do you want to have the impact on your family that God has designed for you to have? Let me say it this way. We've been all called to go into the world and make disciples. And we start making those disciples in our own lives, in our own families, and in our own communities. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. You see, it wasn't just the situation that he had but it was the fact that the situation had him. And God says, are you ready for me to break? See, the situation can have you in such a way that it begins, once it's got you, you become a victim. And once you become a victim, your will is compromised. And in essence, what Jesus is saying to him, do you want your will set free? You know, you can be in the situation and the situation don't have you. As a matter of fact, in John 17, Jesus says, Father, I pray that you not take them out of the world, but I pray that they would not be of it. The early church was in the midst of persecution, but they didn't use the persecution to not preach the gospel. They functioned at God's best in the worst situation possible. Now, that ought to be comfort to everybody that think the election day last week was one of the worst things that ever happened. That's a joke, too. Ha, ha. Because what God has called us to do, there is nobody that can stop us from being it except us. My greatest enemy is myself. Let me tell you one of the biggest problems that we have in answering that question of do we want to be made whole is are we present? In AA, one of the things they teach you is that when a person comes in and they want to be clean and sober, that God has a clean and sober life for them, but they'll never get to it if they don't stand up and say, here I am, I got a problem. And unfortunately today, there's many people who are present but they're not present. Let me give you an example. Driving. How many people know about this? <laughs> See, I'm there, but I'm not all the way there. Let me tell you something else. The place, the family that you were born into, the job that God has given to you, 
the community that he's placed you in. The first step that God wants us to do in becoming whole in obedience is to simply say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for putting me here. You say, but it's just dark where I am. That's why you're the light. A candle is no good. Among all the lights, he put you there for a reason. Yeah, but they disagree with me and they don't think the way that I do. You are salt and light. Do you want to walk in the fullness of why he put you there? Do you want to be that light that he created for you to be? And let me tell you, being that and, and doing that, it takes the spirit of obedience. Lord, I might not be much, but I am what you've made me to be. And I take responsibility for my presence. And I'm no longer going to be there and not be present. So you're there, but you wish you wasn't. You're at the family reunion and you're wondering, I hope this sure gets over soon. If you think your family reunion's bad, think about Noah. He had a family reunion for 188 days on a boat. <laughs> With nowhere to go. And you wonder why he got drunk? That's a joke. So God asked us the question, do you want to be made well? Do you want the responsibility that comes with it? And so the guy says, it's not my fault, somebody else's fault. It's not me. If you'd been raised by the family I was raised by, if you'd been raised in the community I was raised in, you'd understand why I behave. If you had gone through the marriage situation that I've gone through, you'd know why I'm angry the way that I am. Listen, we got to get to a point where we say, you know what? It doesn't matter about that. Lord, yes, I want to get well. Now, you would think that Jesus would know that everybody wants to be made well, but actually, everybody don't want to be made well. Sometimes your condition can have you to a point where you're more connected to your condition than you are to God's word. You know you should live in obedience. You know there are things that you should not be doing, but it's easier to have an excuse because the situation has got you to a point that your will is broken. Now, you would think that uh, Jesus would say, okay, I'll tell you what, since you might want to get well, this is a physical healing we're talking about, and Benny Hinn's going to be in Detroit, and so I want you to bust everybody over to Benny Hinn, and then you're going to get better. But actually, this is not what Jesus says at all. He looks at the guy, and he says the most politically incorrect thing that could ever be said. Here is a crippled person who has been crippled for 38 years. And Jesus looks at him and he says, then get up. Can't you see he's crippled, Jesus? 
And the Bible says the man got up. Now listen, God never asked you to do anything that he didn't already create the ability for you to do. God will never hold you responsible for something that you can't do, that he didn't already put inside of you. So the getting up was in him, but I want you to get this part. It was in him for 38 years. But he was invested in laying down. And you can be so invested in laying down that you've totally forgot about getting up. And the Bible says he got up, and then here's what he did. Picked up his mat. You know why he picked his mat up? Because you don't need a place to go back to because you're not going to be needing that anymore. Not only am I going to trust you, God, but I'm not going to leave a little place just in case. I had a guy in rehab once, and he left an ounce of weed at his house just in case the program didn't work. And I said, either go get the weed right now or go home and go ahead and smoke up all the weed. Because as long as you got the ounce of weed at your house, the program's not going to work. Because the first time somebody says something to you you don't like and it reminds you of something somebody said to you that you didn't like that got you here in the first place, you're going to leave the program and go smoke your weed. So he took up his mat and then he walked. Where did he go? He went straight to the part of the temple where God is worshipped. Listen, the pediatrics of the faith is worship. We are worshipers first. And what you have done this morning is so valuable. It is so priceless to come together as a community and worship to the Lord, to listen together, to grow together. This is how we become. This is how we get the strength to be his hands. This is how we get the strength to impact the world because we are worshipers of the Lord and we worship him in spirit and in truth. And it is through that act of worship that we realize the full impact of grace. We are worshipers first, and we're strengthened by it. But we're not just Sunday worshipers. Not only do we work on our relationship with him together, but we spend time in God's presence each and every day. Listening to his word. Studying his word. Praying to him. Trusting him, building confidence in the finished work of Christ. We're everyday Christians. And so he gets up, he starts walking to the place of worship. And on his way there, the religious leaders see him and say, Hey, buddy, who told you to get up? 
First of all, let me tell you something. This is not a getting up day. <laughs> the Sabbath had gone from being made for man to now man has been made for the Sabbath. With all of its rules and guidelines. You know why God gave us the Sabbath in the first place? No matter what your station is in life, no matter what your situation that you're facing each and every day, even if you were a slave, he says, I want a day in which my people are reminded that it will not be this way always. And I know when my kids were little, we always told them stories at night. Sometimes I'd try to skip a page in one of the stories, and my son would back me up and say, hey, Dad, you missed the page. You missed the page. And he knew the story already, but he wanted to hear it. He wanted to, to, to get on my knee and hear the story. Listen, every Sunday when you come into the house of worship, God puts you over his knee and he reminds you that it will not be this way always, that this will come to pass, and that there is a home for you in glory. And he says, I want you to do one thing while I'm away. I want you to obey me. I just want you to be my hands, my feet, my arms, my voice. I want you to be my body in this world. And so the religious leader said to him, well, first of all, who told you to get up? And he said it this way. And if you don't remember anything else in this sermon, remember this. He didn't say it was Jesus. He didn't even know it was Jesus. He said, a man told me to get up. Listen, the getting up, the encouragement to get up. The supportiveness for standing up in obedience is in each one of us. And we can actually encourage each other. We can support one another. We can help each other with accountability. We can work together and be the body of Christ and be healthier people because we're in a community. It's in man. And then finally, they found out that it was Jesus who told him to get up. And it says in verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Stop doing the thing that broke your will. Stop allowing things to have you. A victim, things have them. A victor is in it, but it doesn't have them. God says, I will be with you through all situations. I will be with you through the storm. I'm not talking about being delivered from the storm. I'm talking about having victory through the storm. I'm talking about the same type of victory that the three Hebrew boys had where they said, Oh, King, we know our God will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. 
we're talking about continuing to live right, continuing to be the light of the world, continuing to glorify God with your life, and for that to be your first priority, regardless of what situation you have to face. God, I am going to be more than a conqueror. I'm going to be victorious no matter what situation you bring my way. So in my family, I'm going to be the light. No matter what they say. On my job, I'm going to be the light and I'm going to work as unto the Lord regardless of the situation. In my community, I am going to be the light and I am going to exemplify a life of wholeness. I'm not, not going to be connected to my weaknesses, but I'm going to be connected to the grace of God, which is my power. And I'm trusting, Lord, that the words of Ephesians 3.20 will become the theme of my life. God is able to do more than we could ask, more than we could think, more than we could imagine. According to our own power, no. According to his power. So Lord, give me a spirit of obedience that simply trusts you and live in the fullness of your grace and trust in you with my life. And then we become like the disciples on the day in which Jesus said to them, I want you to feed the 5,000. And they said, we don't have anything. And Jesus says, check. And they checked. And they found one little boy with his lunch. Listen, you got exactly what you need for the situation that God has put you in. And don't devalue what God has given to you. But be accountable for it. Be present with it and give it to the Lord. He brought his lunch to Jesus. His lunch wouldn't have done the job, but what you have in the hands of God will always do what God has called you to do. In the story of the talents, we saw that one man had five and he doubled his talents. Another man had two and he doubled his talents. And one man had one, and he despised the one, and he buried it, and it crippled him. So God has called us, and he's asking us the same question he asked this man. Do you want to be made whole? Well, I'm not in a position to answer that question for anybody except myself. But I pray that as you go through your day today, that you will think about it. And let's think a little bit deeper than just some physical healing. But this is emotional, and for some of us, even spiritual. Do you want the responsibility that comes with being a child of God? Being the light of the world? All right, can you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us with an everlasting love. That it is your will, Lord, to bless us even above and beyond 
what we ask, think, and imagine. You want us, Lord, to live in wholeness. It doesn't mean we won't go through any difficult situations, but you will be with us in such a way that we will be blessed and everyone will see that the hand of the Lord is upon us. And so I thank you, Lord, for your people here today. And I pray, Father, that as we go forth today, we will just simply thank, do we want the responsibility that comes with being the hands of the Lord? Do we want the responsibility with, that comes with being the hands that impact this world in the name of Jesus? And Lord, when we look at ourselves and think to ourselves that we don't have very much to offer, I just pray, Lord, that you'll encourage us to bring what we have to you and to let you touch it and use it and do more than we could ask, think or imagine through your power. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said.